a couple weeks ago, my uh, my son came out to me and while we were home, and he was just like, uh, "You're my real daddy." I said, "Yeah," and he said, "Not." And then he said his mom's uh, boyfriend's name. I was like, that's right. That's true. Um, and he said, Daddy, can you tell her that you're my real daddy? And I said, sure. Sure, Bubba, I can tell her. Uh, did, did she say that I wasn't? And... Uh, he he said that, yeah. He's she said that, and he said her boyfriend's name is his real daddy. Part of like um, processing all the stuff that I uh, deal with as a single parent, <coughs> especially a single parent who. Um, does not have a good relationship with the other parent is like practicing uh, restraint and mindfulness for the sake of my son. You know, what I felt was terror and uh, rage and heartbreak, but, um, you know, I think one of the one of the big uh, charges you have as a parent is to always consider your kids' feeling when they're speaking to you, no matter what they're saying, even if it is wholly upsetting, uh, which in this case it was. Um. So I just said, okay, okay, but I'll, I'll, I'll tell her. Okay. And it'll be okay. And, but yes, you're right. I'm your real daddy. Um, and I love you and you know, your mommy loves you. And, uh, I said her boyfriend's name loves you too. Uh, so I sat on that for a little bit. Uh, it was a couple weeks ago. I wanted to wait and uh, talk about it with my therapist first and get her opinion on how or if I should proceed. Stuff like that is um, is really intense, man. I don't... I recognize that a lot of my feelings are me projecting like from my own past, like the trauma, the PTSD, like all of that stuff. Like I feel welling up and I'm, I'm aware enough and I do enough self analysis to even as it's happening to know that's what's happening. Um, but even on its own objectively, you know, that's, that's pretty um pretty severe thing to say 
So uh, today I asked, um, you know, if he wanted me to talk to her about that, like he asked. I said, do you still want me to talk to your mommy about that? And he said, yes. So I said, okay, we will when she comes. So I did. Um, man, it's just fucking terrible. You know, I... That's... Over the years, constantly dealing with not just this person, but a lot of really... Um, manipulative and duplicitous and uh, damaged people who put their own selfish needs in front of anything. Um, it's taught me that I can't, that you can't say, well, I would never do that because it doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. And if you hold people to those standards, uh, you'll be upset all the time. Now it's different. For example, like I can choose who I keep in my life based on that, but I can't expect anybody to not be who they are and behave the way that they are and the way they behave. Um, so I did, I said something and, uh, I could feel like even as I was saying it, internally, like an intensity building where I wanted to yell and scream um, because of how awful it is to even have to have that conversation based on that action. And uh, to have to quell that is really challenging and painful. Um, it's just shitty, man. I don't... I think so many things are made worse by the thought and feeling that they don't have to be this bad. You know, when you, when you look at a situation that is bad and you say, okay, but it, it literally doesn't have to be like this. It could just be better simply by behaving better. Like nothing even needs to change. Logistically, nothing needs to change. You know, you, you have to make very little extra effort. Just don't do the shitty thing that you know is shitty. Just don't do that. Just be a nicer more considerate, more thoughtful person, which I guess, you know, is probably the hardest thing anybody can ever do. But, um, yeah, whatever. And part of the reason I say I get so kind of buried in a hole on Sundays after my son gets picked up is things like that. This is not isolated, um, and it's stuff I have to deal with a lot, you know, it brings up all sorts of stuff like, you know, this person is trying to not only undermine my relationship with my son, but um, replace it with someone else who, whatever. Um, it, it's, it's scary and it's frustrating and, and heartbreaking and infuriating, like actually infuriating. Completely unnecessary. Serves no purpose other than to kind of feed into like a selfishness and a pettiness and a and a anger on one person's part, no matter who it affects. And in this case, it's 
it'll ultimately not just affect me, but it'll affect him as well. So my protection instinct is ratcheted up, you know, about as high as it can go. This stuff's just hard to deal with. So I do my best on Sundays to like really try to stay up. And this is the last couple of weeks have been the first couple of weeks in a long time since um, I had to go to court. I had to file to go to court uh, to be earlier this year. Um, you know, I filed at the end of last year and then went, uh, I guess it was April or something or May of this year. And that was just so uh, deeply triggering. And I'm, you know, just now kind of starting to come out of it. It, it. Triggering, you know, from like ancient stuff inside me, like and, and real kind of severe formulative trauma. Uh, so having to come face to face with it on the other end of it, um, on the other side of it, it was, it's been awful. So really trying to work my way through it. And it's super hard. And I just keep trying my best. And I know I've spoken about this next thing before, but it keeps coming up, so whatever. I uh, I don't communicate stuff like this much to people. It's hard for most people to understand it. Um, rightfully so. It's not a shared, it's not a commonly shared experience. Um, but also I, I get... But, you know, part of it, I one, I have like a strong need to do everything myself, which isn't always great. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. Um, but I'm constantly disappointed by people close to me uh, making it all about them. You know, just like sometimes people will ask what they can do to help sp specifically so they can say, whatever their bullshit platitude is. Like, that's it. The only reason they reached out was to say this bullshit thing, hang in, hang in there, stay positive, that type of shit, without asking me anything about it. Um, yeah, and that stuff is like, not only is it really unhelpful, it's also kind of a betrayal of trust. If you ask somebody's, if you ask somebody what's going on, and then they tell you, and then your response is to delve no further into that, to not ask them anything about how they're processing it, how they're feeling, how they're doing with it, um, what would be helpful, nothing. But as soon as they tell you what the situation is and your immediate response is to say, you know, think positive or, you know, whatever, um, it's a, you're breaking their trust as well as their heart. You know, if somebody reaches out or opens up, they're being vulnerable and they're hoping, not even expecting, hoping for, uh, which is even more, more vulnerable, hoping for some sort of, uh, reciprocation of that vulnerability. You know, if I say, Hey, I'm having a really rough time. I don't want somebody to say like, I'll just, it'll get better. Hang in there. Think positive. You know, it's, people just have this innate kind of, not innate, but like this kind of conditioned response to ignore, to not seek 
to question and to just give some kind of answer. And usually that answer is bullshit. If someone says they're having a rough time, you don't tell them that it'll get better. Ask them what's going on. Ask them how they feel about it. Ask them um, it, what would be helpful. What would they like to feel right now? What would they like to be doing? Ask them uh, how are they processing it? Are they sleeping okay? Are they still eating? Are they drinking water? Have they, you know, but without saying like, you know what you should do? That shit is, I'm a fucking self-employed single father. I wake up at 4 a.m. to leave the house at 5, and I work till 8 p.m., and I get home at 9. And then I do that for three days straight so that I can, two and a half days, so that I can be with my son and be an amazing father while dealing with a hostile uh, co-parent and everything else that, you know, all the other bullshit. And like, other people deal with shit too. But if I open up and I say this and that and your response is like, stay positive, like, fuck you. Seriously, fuck you. It's fucking bullshit. I don't, I'm not even doing the I know they meant well thing anymore. Fuck that. I'm over it. I don't care what your intention was if repeatedly your action is the same, which is just selfish, um, dismissive. It doesn't matter to me that you're not... That, your best quality can't be that you're not a rapist or a murderer. That, like, in that respect, you're a good person. The last couple of years has just been cutting out Person after person after person. I mean, family. My my fucking father. Like, best friends, close friends. <clears throat> so, yeah. I just, I have no... I just don't have it in me to teach people... To teach my friends how to be my friends. I'm not saying everybody's perfect. I fucking certainly don't always say the right thing or know what to say. But I'm honest about that. Like, hey, I don't know what to say or I don't know what I can do to help. But I want to help. And I'm here uh, right now and I'll help and I'll be here later. And whatever you need, I please let me know how I can help. I don't know how, you know, it's a weird thing that happens. If you tell somebody you don't know how to help, but you want to, um, they might, uh, they might tell you how, maybe not. I don't know. Welcome to Porb. This is what happens when I do podcasts on Sundays. Welcome to Porb. I saw that Joker movie last Monday. I had a break between clients. That movie is amazing. I mean, every facet of it, the acting, directing, the music, I actually felt, even though I really thought the music was fantastic. Um, a part of me was like, wow, this movie could, even though, it, I mean, the score is phenomenal, but man, it could be really like deeply unsettling and impactful if there were no score. And I would love if there was a, a cut with no music. Um, but I won't, when I, after I saw it, I was like, man, I want to do a whole podcast on this and just open it up and talk about every aspect of it, but I'm not going to do that. So no spoilers. Um, 
no spoilers. Uh, but I will just say that, I mean, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's in a sense, it's taxi driver. Um, you know, even in the, the style of Gotham, which is like New York at that time, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s, New York. So super kind of seedy and dangerous um, in the clothes or that period as well. But uh, man, what a fucking movie. It's shot so beautifully and there's so much kind of breath and space, um, you know, in the way that, you know, if you're watching like a Stanley Kubrick movie where there's just long silences and panning shots, you know, like you're reading a book that's describing in the, in the passages describing, uh, you know, a room and what's in the room and things like that. There's, so there's a lot of those moments. Um, but, and I don't, I don't, Okay, now that I'm thinking of it in my head, it's not 100%, but I would say 99% of the screen time is Joaquin Phoenix. He's in almost every single scene, acting his fucking ass off. You know, as, as a whole, I'm usually not impressed with actors. Not that, I, not that it's not a talent, it certainly is. But, you know, they're reading words somebody else wrote, over music somebody else made, you know, with a, an amazing lighting crew, an amazing director, amazing hair and makeup, amazing wardrobe, amazing, you know what I mean? There's all these other things uh, helping to create that character other than the, the person reading, delivering the lines that a writer wrote. Um, not, again, I don't mean that like as a derogatory kind of slam. But every once in a while, you know, you do see a performance that you're just like, holy shit, man. You know, this guy could have delivered these lines in his sweatpants on the sidewalk in front of my house, and I would have been enthralled because he really, really did something. Yeah, I guess that's a lot of it, too. So many actors who are not bad, but they're just essentially playing themselves. So there's not a lot of acting. You know, it's like, it's, you know, I'm... I'm me as this person. I'm me as that person. Not, uh, I am not me. I am this person, totally a different person. Uh, and that's what, in this Joker movie, that's what Joaquin Phoenix did. It, it's, it's really impressive. Um, beautiful to look at, beautiful to watch. It's heartbreaking. You know, the whole time it's, I'm just like, man, there's so much trauma, like just so much trauma and sadness. Um, and then, so it's like, I'm watching and it's like, I didn't, you don't really kind of, you're not even aware that you're in a superhero movie until they mention Gotham. And you're like, oh yeah, fuck. Yeah, that's right. This is a Joker movie. Um, and even the things that I initially felt were like, ah, that's too on the nose. Later down the line, you're like, oh, okay, that's not true. Because so much of it, uh, and I'll say this, this isn't really giving anything away. Um, I mean, because obviously the Joker is a crazy person. But so much of the movie, there, when you look back, you're like, okay, well, this may have not have been real or that may have not have been real. Um, but, man, um, 
I don't want to give any spoilers away because it is that powerful of a movie and that uh, uh, of a exciting kind of theater experience. And I saw it uh, at the Arclight in Sherman Oaks on a 70 millimeter uh, screening of it. So it was just huge and gorgeous. Um, you know, it's shot on film, so it looks amazing. It's not all digital garbage. Um, and then, you know, the first time you see the, a young Bruce Wayne is in it, um, you know, pre his, his parents being murdered, spoiler alert, Batman's parents get murdered when he's eight. Uh, so it's before that. Um, And it's just like, I didn't think the kid playing Bruce Wayne was that good. I mean, he's a kid. Um, but the interaction between Joaquin Phoenix and this boy was really scary and cool. And there's like a little, a little nod where like you see Bruce Wayne playing in like a kind of like a playhouse thing and Joker's kind of walking onto his property. This isn't a spoiler. And then when Bruce Wayne gets out of the playhouse treehouse thing, he slides down a pole. And it's just, you know, it's a three seconds, maybe, if that. But it was really cool. I was like, oh, what a cool comic book thing um, to reference. I mean, that's really referencing the, the Batman 66 series. Um, but... It was just so cool, man. Um, and, you know, when you put those things in, it was almost jarring at first. Because this movie, it's unlike every other comic book movie. It doesn't present itself that way. It's, it's, uh, it's just a, it's a story about a deeply traumatized person who becomes a murderer. Um, and, then, and now there's a lot of talk of like, well, maybe this isn't the Joker. Maybe this is the guy who later inspires the person to become the Batman villain, the Joker, which you could make that, um, you could make that argument from this film too. Um, or maybe in this universe, the Batman Joker, maybe Joker is considerably older than, than Batman. I don't know. But either way, it's outstanding. Um, if you haven't seen it, you should see it. And it's two hours. They kept it at two hours. Not two and a half, not three, not four, like all these other bullshit movies. It's a two-hour movie, but it moves. It it never feels, I never felt, uh, it didn't sag. It, everything was, it was great. It was just fucking great, man. I can't, I want to see it again. I really do. Um, I don't know if I'll have the time to do it, but man, it was good. Yeah, I mean, you know, for me, my favorite Joker is Mark Hamill from the animated series. That's also my, outside of comics, that's my favorite iteration of Batman. Um, they just, they got it. They fucking got it. A lot of that has to do with Paul Dini, the uh, writer for like most of the, the best episodes of that series. Um, but even like the art style, like they just got it. They fucking got it. And then the 89 Batman, um, I think is the best, the first Tim Burton Batman with Michael Keaton. I think that is the best live action Batman that there's been, um, hands down. It, it's an incredible, it's an incredible movie. Even, you know, as a comic, 
as a real comic fan, there's all sorts of problems, but I don't care. It's a great movie. Um, and then, you know, the, the Nolan stuff I thought was okay. I, I thought, you know, I think the, I think the Nolan stuff gets by on its scope. Like it, it, it gets by and touted so highly because of how earnest it is and because of the, the effort and the scope and the size and scale and scope of it all. Excuse me. But as, a, as movies, they're not good movies. Like the scripts aren't good. The stories are not good. They're not. The first one, Batman Begins, he, I mean, the League of Shadows stuff, you know, that's cool. I always want to see training and ninjas, and that was great. When he gets out, and it's like, you think it's going to be Scarecrow, which would have been great, just a crazy guy trying to infect people with a fear toxin, and Batman has to fight him. But then it turns out, like, oh, Ra's al Ghul isn't dead, which obviously you know, you know, he's not going to be dead. He's fucking Ra's al Ghul. But then, you know, it's like, He's trying to poison the water supply with a train and Batman has to stop the train. Like, okay, this is garbage. Uh, and the whole love story was nonsense. And then the second movie, The Dark Knight, the entire movie, the, what people like about that is Heath Ledger, who was mind-blowing. And, and what he did for the Joker was fucking outstanding too. Um, but he's the only interesting part of that movie. I mean, he's, that's it. Christian Bale is not a good Batman. He's just not. I like Christian Bale. Um, but not as Batman. I didn't, you know, in, in the second one, there's like 30 minutes that could have been cut out. Like there was this whole sub plot of like commissioner Gordon faking his death. Why? There's no reason it served no purpose. I I don't know. And then the two face stuff was like totally thrown away. He becomes two face for 30 seconds and then dies. And it was just about like the Joker wanted to make they kept trying to drive it home. Like everybody wants to break Batman's spirit by making the people of Gotham turn. But it's like, they already don't like you. And then the third one, which is the worst, they like put a nuclear bomb and then like leave it up to the citizens. Cause if you don't leave it up to the citizens to destroy it or not, so they'll destroy themselves because if they don't, then the seed of Gotham will come back. It's like, no, if you just drop the nuclear bomb on the city, nothing will come back. What is this whole rigmarole? Like this, uh, so dumb, so dumb. And then like Talia Ghul, you're like, okay. Talia Ghul is like next to him the whole time. She could just stabbed him in the face while they were sleeping after they fucked, but she doesn't. She waits for him to like wake up and then, it was just, it was all bad. Um, and then, you know, the Zack Snyder stuff, the Justice League movies, those were terrible movies. But I really liked Ben Affleck as Batman and Bruce Wayne. And I, you know, if he had been in a Todd Phillips, who directed The Joker, if he had been in a Todd Phillips Batman, perhaps he would have been amazing. But what he had to work with was such garbage and the movies were so bad that it just didn't come off. But with that, I still really enjoyed him. And I wish, you know, I'm, I'm curious as what this, what's that guy's name from Twilight? The, the vampire, Robert Pattinson, Patterson, Pattinson, whatever. He's going to be the new Batman. I'm fine. That's cool. Let's see. Um, but the, 
was it Mike Reeves, the director? That I'm excited about. He did the Planet of the Apes movies and those, excuse me, I have a little cold. And those movies are outstanding. So, I, and, and from what I hear, he wants to draw on more of the film noir aspect, which is great. Because none of these movies make Batman a detective. He's just blowing shit up all the time. You're like, what the fuck is up? And he's, he's not a ninja. He's not a detective. He's just like some asshole who runs in guns blazing. So I'm excited. Um, I don't know if it'll tie in with this Joaquin stuff or if he'll have another go at it. I hope he does because, man, was he good. That movie's great. Go check out The Joker or just Joker. Other than that, I don't know what I wanted to talk about. I just wanted to do this, one, because I, I love it and I enjoy it, and I hope you guys do as well, but also because I really wanted to keep myself from uh, spiraling into a shitty place, which I still might do after this. Who knows? The night is young. But anyway, I'm going to wrap it up. Um, thank you for listening. Seriously, thank you for listening. Um, sometimes I get uh, messages from you guys, and I really appreciate that. That, that you all are listening, that uh, you like it, that sometimes it's funny, sometimes it's not funny, but that is uh, helpful to you in some way. Um, if you're listening on iTunes, uh, subscribe and rate and review. You can throw a rating without a review, uh, but if you're there, throw in a review too. Uh, you can use a fake name. Like, uh, what, uh... Barry Von Tutenstein. That's a good one. So anyway, if you're listening on something else, rate and review it there too. Um, go to iTunes, Google Play Store, Amazon, buy my record, Grey House, again, Violently Sleeping. Uh, I am going to be putting out more music this year before the year is over, so I will keep you posted on that. Uh, follow me on Instagram, at Instagram Baker at Greyhouse Music, are on Twitter, at Graham Baker. Website is GrahamBaker.com. I guess that's it. Yeah, thanks for listening, guys. All right. Be well, do good, make good choices. Peace. <laughs>